Hello and welcome back to another episode of Feminist Fangirl. Oh gosh, I said that almost wrong, but I didn't. Let's try that again. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Feminist Fangirl Podcast with Emma. I'm your host, Emma, and yeah, I hope everyone's having a great day, no matter what time of the day you are listening to this at, whether it be morning, afternoon, evening, or night. I hope that you had a good day or are having a good day. Or have a good day. Maybe you're watching this at like... 5 a.m. in the morning. I hope you have a great day. Anyways, uh, to, in today's episode, we'll be talking about the COVID pandemic. I'm sure you've all heard of that before. I can't even use the excuse unless you've been living underneath a rock because we have all been living underneath a rock during this pandemic. So therefore, you should also know what this pandemic is. Or maybe it's just like 30,000 years in the future and someone just managed to get a copy of this podcast and are listening to it and are like, oh man, I wonder what the COVID-19 pandemic was. Well, it's this pandemic that happened, and it kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. I've been, I am, I'm tired. I'm tired of being isolated. I'm an extroverted person, so I've, I've, and I, it actually took COVID for me to learn this, but I am a huge extrovert. I like to be around people. I like to be out and about. I like to be participating in society. I don't do well when I am isolated. I don't do well when I am by myself, and I don't do well when I, like, kind of feel alone. So that's something that I actually learned through this pandemic, you know, considering that it kind of did force everybody into isolation. But yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted feminism and what some of those impacts look like and what kind of effect they might have on our society. So yeah, I'm doing good today in case you were wondering. I'm feeling slightly irritated right now. I think it's because I'm thirsty. I should probably go and drink some water, go get some water, but I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to. Haha. But I guess we can get right into talking about COVID and the COVID-19 pandemic because I feel like this is a pretty uh, smooth transition we're doing here. So obviously, if you were a good citizen and following societal rules, then you should have been in isolation, at least in Canada, for an extensive amount of period, a couple of months um, during one part and a couple of months during another part. If you were not and you were going out and you were breaking rules, well, then that's bad. And you're the reason why this COVID pandemic has been lasting so freaking long. Boo. I boo thee. But I mean, I guess you're technically free to make your own decisions, even though you're technically going against government rules and policies or whatever. So, yeah, fun stuff. Anyways, so considering um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, there has been like high levels of isolation, considering individuals have had to isolate when they felt um, during different times of the COVID pandemic, depending on your country or states, you know, policies, rules, laws. There is different times where individuals had to isolate when either A, you know, they received COVID, B, they were in contact with someone who has COVID, C, when they had COVID-like symptoms but maybe not even had COVID, or just had to isolate in general because that is what everyone had to do at some point in most countries or in most states. You know, like do the good old isolation for a couple of months. You can't even leave your house. You can't go into any buildings or whatever. So... That was like a big part of COVID and COVID-19, and that has had a huge impact, I think, on society. And one of those things that it has impacted, it has impacted, is feminism. And we'll get to talk about some of the ways that it has done that. There is some positive ways, I think, that COVID-19 has impacted feminism. But I also have learned that there is quite a few negative ways that 
the COVID-19 pandemic and other pandemics have actually e affected feminism or have affected the equality between genders, which is what I view feminism as a basis to be, is the equality between genders. So whenever that's disrupted, I feel like feminism is being disrupted or that's negative impacts on feminism because as a feminist, I am trying to achieve, you know, equality between the two genders. But we can um, actually learn from some previous pandemics. So a pandemic that occurred around 2014, I want to say, is the Ebola pandemic. I don't know why I had to pause so long in between saying those two words. Oh, well. So if we look at the Ebola pandemic, it actually has some deep and long-lasting effects on gender equality, and it actually were negative impacts, as we see they negatively affected women, as in women were given less equal opportunities after this pandemic occurred or during this pandemic. Some of those inequalities include that after the Ebola pandemic, when people started working up again, Men's wages stayed the exact same as previously before the pandemic, but women's wages were actually lowered. And so we see that having an impact on women. So let's say a woman is in a situation where she can't financially break away. Obviously, this pandemic would have had an effect on that because her wage has decreased and like decreases in weight, like Wage inequality just based off of gender and not based off of anything else is absolutely ridiculous. What you what you identify as or what you were born as or whatever, man or woman, whatever, whether you're more feminine or masculine, that should not affect the amount of wage that you are getting. It should be based off of your work ethic. It should be based off of your ability to do your work, etc. It should have nothing to do with that. So the fact of the matter that it had such a an equality after the pandemic is insane and then some other p impacts that negatively affected women as well as these differences in wages is there is an increase in domestic violence during the pandemic and then there was also an increase of teen pregnancy during the ebola pandemic and the thing about teen pregnancies is that it often leads to single moms having to raise a child and that right there oftentimes puts a woman more behind in life and doesn't allow them to have more of an equal opportunity as a man because now this woman is now, I wouldn't necessarily stay, say, stuck to the child, but they do have more of an obligation to look after and care for a child than a man does sometimes. And so that's why when we see a surgency in teen pregnancies, that probably means we'll also see a surgeon, like a surging rate of single moms in the future. So those are some of the negative impacts on gender equality that we see in another pandemic. Now, how can we take that information and kind of use it to view the COVID-19 pandemic? So we can start looking as to why. I don't know much about economics or the economy or anything, so I don't know why the wage difference occurred after post-pandemic. Maybe it's because less women were in the work field, and so they just thought that... Yeah, like, and I, and I say that there would probably be less women in the work field because when a pandemic does occur and people are forced home, if there was a relationship or a couple where the married man and woman both had jobs, once they go home and the kids are no longer able to go to school or able to go to another third source of caring, oftentimes, unintentionally or intentionally, 
the child care will go back onto the mother. So maybe once this pandemic was ended, there was less women going back into the workforce because they had been taking care of their children, had been looking after their children, and they feel the need to still continue that, or maybe it's harder for them to get back into the you know, the workforce. I don't know. So that's a possibility. But I think that there was probably an increase in domestic violence because of that idea of people having to stay home. So once once individuals were forced to stay home and not go outside into the society, obviously they are home more. And so maybe that is why we see an increase in domestic violence, because maybe that violence wouldn't have occurred before if they weren't spending that long of time together in such a, you know, like small area, just being, you know, not allowed to having to isolate in a home. And so what, how can we use this information to view the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, maybe some of the consequences that might come out of this COVID-19 pandemic is maybe we will see a shift in um, women between men and women's wages again. I don't know, possibly. And maybe, who knows, because of this forced isolation and people being forced to live in their homes, maybe there has been more increase in domestic violence and domestic abuse, which is truly unfortunate and absolutely ridiculous that domestic abuse is still going on, and especially the domestic abuse against women. Obviously, there is extremely higher rates of domestic abuse against women, and I don't want to take that away from the domestic abuse against men because that still does occur, and that is equally as important as domestic abuse abuse against women. But the thing is, domestic abuse against women is more prominent because it occurs more often, which is why it's a bigger issue, because it's more normalized, so it tends to happen more often. So I think uh, I want to end the podcast on more of a positive note. So I think what I'm going to do is go through the negative impacts of the COVID-19 and like the negative impacts on feminism, and then kind of what are some of the slight after, uh, aftermath effects that we are seeing from this COVID-19 pandemic as it is slowly starting to clear up. Finally, I miss people. <laughs> I miss seeing people on normal circumstances. I miss kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's weird. This The COVID-19 has really inf- impacted me in ways that I never thought it really could because actually when I when it first occurred, I'm not even going to lie, I was one of those weird people that was oddly excited because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to catch up on all of my cartoons. I'm going to play all of my video games and I'm going to finally get to get caught. That is such a big lie. I, I, I didn't even like... I think I didn't even finish. I think I finished like one show <laughs> during this whole thing. I think I finished maybe like one video game during this whole thing, but I would have finished them anyways if there was a COVID-19 pandemic or not. So yeah, it's just this COVID thing has affected many things and impacted many things in many ways that I don't think any of us really would think would come into fruition, etc. So yeah, I think we'll talk about some of the negative impacts first and then the aftermath of COVID. And then I think we'll wrap up the podcast with some of the positive effects that I've seen um, impact feminism from this COVID-19 pandemic. Alrighty, so let's start off with some of the negative impacts that we have seen COVID impact feminism. So funds for organizations that Um, let's say, endorse or promote equality between genders or endorse and promote equality in minority groups like the LGBTQ or that fight against racism and discrimination. So those types of organizations we can see having a dip in funds for their accessibility and for their, like, you know, 
So these dips in funds are probably like a direct impact from people's inability to get proper work or proper jobs or work as many hours. So people aren't able to gift or I forget fundraise or I don't, I forget the word what it's called when you give money to an organization. Donate? Sorry. Yeah, donate. So people are probably not able to donate as much or as often anymore because of this COVID-19 and the impacts it has had on individuals and their ability to make and have money and, you know, like just the general economy has been really impacted by the COVID-19. As well as people shifting to being more at home, that has also meant that that there has been quite a shift to individuals using the internet and quite a large increase on the usage of the internet and the usage of websites and the usage of social media, etc. So a way that we can see feminism being shifted, and this isn't necessarily positive or negative, it's just kind of more of a fact, but we kind of see feminism and its movements being more shifted to an internet type of setting versus it's more civil and more direct Sit, like direct community involvement. So before feminist movements and feminist ideas and stuff were often spread throughout novels, throughout articles, throughout, you know, like protests, throughout public speaking, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't an idea and it wasn't a movement that was necessarily really prominent on the internet. And that kind of got shifted once everybody was shifting more online and there was less resources and less ex- accessibility to to resources that weren't the internet. So we often see like now feminist movements and feminist donations and feminist organizations are now being started based on an online approach versus an in-person approach because of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and probably people being at home more and the surgence of the usage of the internet. Now, this also impacts feminism in a sense that men actually do have a larger voice on the internet. So individuals on the internet are for some reason drawn more towards male creators and male content creators. They tend to have a larger platform, they tend to get more views, they tend to get more traction, etc. So what they say makes more of an impact online as it's able to spread out further and it's for some reason more, I don't know, it's just more in the forefront of the internet. So that does impact feminism in a sense that Feminism is in the forefront of women's rights, so we see that kind of being detrimented in a sense that the fact that most feminism feminists are women, and obviously there are male feminists, but there's just something about, you know, when you're fighting for the equality of genders, and it's just important to hear the impact and to hear the story of the side that has been more discriminated against and that has been more put down by society. So I think that that's a negative impact of the COVID-19 on feminism is that male voices are more strongly heard on the internet. And for feminism to really, I think, be achieved and talked about properly, we do need to hear the female voice side of things. So I think that might be a negative. I, I consider that a negative impact because of the shift towards more internet-based organizations and activities. Another thing just kind of going along with the internet idea is that oftentimes with the internet, the audience is younger and a lot of people who use the internet more and more are a younger are younger individuals kind of ranging from the ages of I think it was like 9 to 14 are the most is the largest audience that uses 
programs and uses social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. So that's where you're getting most of your traction and most of your viewing from. And most of the time, they're not that interested in feminism. And most of the time, the topics that are discussed in feminism are sometimes too deep and too controversial for them to really be approached by that age group. So I think that's another hindrance in feminism as we do shift to more of an online platform is that it is a the online platform is something that is used more broadly by a younger audience than an older audience. So the individuals that you are trying to reach and that you're trying to get this information out to might not necessarily hear it in a sense because the ways that things decide to get spread is based off of their internet traction and their tr internet foot traction. And if most of that is being done by 8 to 14 year olds who don't necessarily really care about feminism or care about the deeper approach to things or can't even, you know, read some of the articles or listen to some of the things that we're talking about because it's too mature for them, then your information won't get spread on the internet as well. And so that is also a hindrance in feminism because I see education as true power and I feel like the less educated people are or on subjects and stuff, it, the less they'll know about it and the less they'll be empathetic towards a situation or sympathetic towards a situation. So I think one of the most important things when we want to see a change in the world is making sure that proper education on topics and discussions are put out there and if it's not spread in the same sense as like, I don't know, Neon Cat or whatever the next, f I know that's a really old meme reference. I swear I'm kind of up to date. Like I'm not the most up to date person, but I swear I'm slightly. I just literally can't think of something else. But like, let's say like the next meme, that's going to obviously get spread more around with that younger audience than your ideas on feminism. So yeah, so the surgence of internet has definitely been a huge impact of the COVID-19 and it has actually impacted how we see feminism and how feminist viewpoints and feminist stories and feminist platforms are shared. Another negative impact of the COVID-19 is it kind of takes away this idea, this modern idea that we've been gaining, which is a wonderful idea in a sense that both men and women can now equally work for as long because there is a third child support system that we can use. So many of the child support systems that we use today were often seen as almost controversial back in the day or weren't even around. So we have things like daycare, nannies, babysitting, school, pre preschool, kindergarten. We have tons of resources in the modern world that are still not always equally accessible to women or equally accessible to certain families or equally accessible to even men sometimes. But we do have these resources now which allow for there not to be a caretaker at home looking after the children, which was a role that was once traditionally filled by the women and can still be seen as traditionally filled by the women. You know, they are the caretaker of the household. They have to cook. They have to clean. They still have to take care of the kids once they come home from school, drive them to their after-school activities, etc. But at least now, women are able to hold down their own job versus just being the sole caregiver or you know of the household and so this idea was disrupted during the covid pandemic when you take away that third party of being able to take care of your children so because of this pandemic uh, school shut down, daycare shut down, we were forced to isolate and not see people that weren't in our household. So that means nannies weren't able to come over and that does and that means sorry, 
that babysitter babysitters were also not allowed to come over. So we essentially, because of this pandemic, got rid of that third resource of childcare. So now it was down to the two parents. So that means that these parents now have to make a sacrifice in which one of them will be able to work and one of them will now have to take care of the kids. Now, obviously, during this pandemic, I think a lot of parents did try to tackle both, which I think was probably quite stressful for them because those are two full-time. Being a full-time parent is a full-time job. It really is. If it wasn't, then babysitting wouldn't be a job. A nanny wouldn't be a job. Uh, you know, daycare and caregiving, that wouldn't be a job. So a lot of parents did adopt this taking on two responsibilities. But oftentimes, because women were seen as the caregivers of the household for so long, oftentimes that role had and has and is still falling upon the women. So when we take away these third resources of childcare, it often seems that the responsibility of the children falls back onto the woman. And that negatively impacts women in a sense that we are, they are unable to look after their jobs properly. Maybe they had to put in less hours into their job. Maybe they had to quit their job. Maybe they are now more stressed and unable to look after themselves properly because they are now taking care of two full-time jobs. So that's just another way that we see the COVID-19 having an impact on women and gender equality because this now puts another inequality between the two genders. So therefore, this has an impact and an effect on feminism. And obviously, there has been many fathers that have, have stepped up to taking equal responsibility or taking even more responsibility. I will not overlook that. And I think that is awesome. And I think that's that sharing of responsibility and that equality is what we should really strive for. But universally, that is not always correct. That that father won't always step up and it does oftentimes rely back onto the woman's role. And then if we look at Britain, Britain, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Britain? Britain. 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 Well, now it's sounding weird. Anyways, you know that country in the UK and they speak like this. That is more of an Australian accent than anything. I am sorry. I'm just terrible, aren't I? Sheesh. Anyway, so in Britain, a quarter of the families there are actually single-parented. And of those single-parented families, 90% of them are single moms versus single dads. So therefore, when this COVID-19 pandemic hit, it must have hit them really hard in a sense that they had to, once again, have a full-time job as well as having a full-time job of looking after their kid and being a caretaker. So what are some of the negative impacts that we are seeing now because of the COVID-19 pandemic? So one of those things that I am seeing, which maybe has, I don't know what it might necessarily have to do with, but a huge talk online and on the internet was the talk about abortion and abortion laws. And so making it illegal to have abortions in Texas. Now, why that may impact feminism. Now, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, I won't disagree or agree on any, you know, like I won't, I won't say what's right and what's wrong. I won't. But to me, what this comes down to is an idea of choice. And I think the moment that you take away people's freedoms of choice, you are taking away their rights. And I, and I don't see that being okay. I don't see how we're able to take away someone's choice and someone's rights when, an individual or a woman is raped, but then we are able to take away their rights and choices then in their ability to get an abortion, an abortion, an abortion, an abortion. My gosh, I don't know why I had to say that with an accent. 
Because here's my thing. You can be pro-life, and that means that you yourself will never, you know, choose to get your an abortion yourself. You will choose to look down on abortions, and that's fine. I understand that. You know, your viewpoint of abortion is your viewpoint of abortions. But to me, what it comes down to is the matter of fact of choice. And it comes down to people's ability to choose. And I think it's really scary that once we take away that ability to choose, I feel like we're in hindrancing people's rights and freedoms. And people should have a right over what happens or doesn't happen to their body. And here's my like biggest example is that women sometimes don't always have a choice if they become pregnant or not. So why can't they have a choice in continuing with that pregnancy or not their body is going to go through significant changes that is going to impact them for the rest of their life physically and mentally so why shouldn't they get a choice in saying whether or not they should be you know whether or not they go through with the pregnancy or not so i see that as a negative impact of covid and i think that is a very scary concept and i'm very scared that that has actually happened and i don't want to see people's rights and freedoms being taken away from them like that I really don't. And I would like to say, too, because I've been seeing a lot of this saying that abortion is a woman's right and abortion is a woman problem. But that is not true. Abortion is an everyone right because not all people who get abortions are necessarily women. This COVID, so some other, sorry, (laughs) I just kind of jumped right into it without a transition. I'll do a little transition. So other negative impacts or aftermaths that we've seen from this COVID pandemic is that women have been impacted economically, like we have seen in the Ebola uh, pandemic, especially women of minorities. So women of color, women of the LGBTQ, we see them being impacted economically more significantly than, let's say, men. And then another aftermath is that uh, gender-based violence has actually increased during the pandemic. And I find that very interesting. With our accessibility to internet and the increasing usage of internet, you would think that with all these resources, people would finally start learning that that is not okay. So I find it very interesting that there has been a spike and an increase in gender-based violence. And that is something that is extremely negative, obviously. That is not something that is good. Anyways, yeah, so these are some of the negative impacts of COVID that we have seen so far. Now, moving on to some of the more positive impacts of COVID. Woo! So there have been positive impacts of COVID on feminism and feminists and gender equality and increasing it and keeping it all nice and toasty and together. So some of those positive impacts have been... The fact that this is the first pandemic where we are able to constantly take... Yeah, this is the first pandemic where we are able to do proper recording of statistics and effects of people based off this thing. So that I think that is important because I think this research can be can be used to show some of the effects of gender inequality and some of the reasons as to why there may be some gender equality or some spike in gender violence or et cetera. So I think that that is important. And I think, once again, like information and education is really power. So the ability to have access to proper recording and proper resources to record stats and stuff during this pandemic, I think will be very helpful in the future and will help us move on from some gender inequality. During this COVID pandemic, at least personally, there has been no really statistics, no really anything that can prove that this is correct or not. But I think that during this COVID pandemic, it has allowed non-binary and trans individuals to have a really safe 
place to broadcast their voices on the internet and get their stories out there. So I think that non-binary individuals and trans individuals are slowly becoming more accepted and more normalized in society, which I think is a great thing. Along with that, I think there's just, you know, more information that's being shared around and more organizations and stuff that are putting out more education on feminism and I think that's a great thing and I think that will make a wonderful change in our world and a wonderful change in our future for gender equality and etc. I mean like uh, the COVID pandemic has really allowed me an opportunity to have this platform and to really find myself and my identity and so that's like that's kind of a positive I could see coming out of COVID-19. I think sometimes we often focus on quite you know, the negative impacts, which there are quite a few, and I don't want to downplay them, because I will tell you, I would rather have this pandemic not happen than have it have happened. But, you know, it is what it is. It's here. It's happening. It happened. And yeah, some of the some of the positive impacts of that, I uh, personally, anyways, that I found is I was able with this self-isolation to kind of finally feel more comfortable with myself and, you know, like feel more comfortable with my sexuality and everything. And I feel like I've really grown into myself in my identity in a sense versus like beforehand. I didn't really know quite what I enjoyed. I didn't know quite who I was. I didn't know quite what I wanted out of life. And then during that pandemic and spending all of that time with yourself, you know, you really do learn probably parts of yourself that you wouldn't have before if you didn't have that time, that isolation to, you know, get to be in tune with yourself. Now, something just kind of popped into my head. I don't know if I talked about it earlier. We are going to have to go back to the negative note. We are leaving this positive note, unfortunately, but I just wanted to mention that one of the another reasons why there might be some surgeons in domestic violence and de- domestic abuse in pandemics, including the COVID-19 pandemic, is that during these pandemics, when people are forced to, you know, stay home and public access, like pu- public ac- accessibility and resources are shut down, oftentimes there might be a surgeons because women and children and even sometimes men don't have access to resources that I, they would have had access to before, like resources that allow them to have access to everyday items that maybe they don't have access to in an abusive household or, you know, another place that they can go to, like the YMCA or the WCA or a women's shelter or another shelter that they can, like, run off to if a situation at home does become abusive. They, You know, those resources and stuff are shut down during the COVID pandemic, or at least they're not as accessible as they would have been before for people to reach out and join. So that might have had a, you know, a connection to the increase in domestic violence and abuse during these pandemics. Alrighty, back to the positives of the COVID-19. I don't know if there's really too more many that I can talk about feminism-wise. I mean, like, as we, as I reviewed, actually what I've learned um, from, you know, studying and researching for this episode is that pandemics often do have uh, a surge of gender in- in- inequality during them because of this increase in domestic abuse and this differences in economics and, you know, the caregiving and the caretaking when resources for child care gets taken away. But there are a few positives, at least of this pandemic, you know, with the surgence of the use of internet and education and information being more easily accessible and more easily 
spread throughout individuals and people in society. So that's that those are some positives that we have seen throughout this pandemic. And, you know, the more broadening acceptance of non-binary individuals and trans individuals is something that, you know, as I said previously, is something that I've seen as a consequence of this pandemic, but like a positive consequence. So I guess this will um, kind of conclude our episode. This is a little bit of a shorter episode than some previous episodes, so I do apologize. I'm sorry. This is like the length of the first one. But I did read that 30 to 45 minute episodes are the best episodes, so maybe I should change my um, my goal and I can just say any any episode in between 30 to 45 is my goal for an episode. So if we go with that, then this episode is technically a normal length. So boom, bada, bing. Once again... Thank you for listening. I hope you guys learned a little bit of something. I actually learned quite a bit when I was researching for this podcast, some interesting things, some interesting effects of the pandemic that I never really thought about, but kind of makes sense when you put them into perspective. So I guess this is um this is the time that we would break out the cat piano. So I guess I'll grab that and then we will begin our outro. All right. So I have the cat piano here. Boom. I don't know. I, I need a better setup so I can like set up the cat piano nice next to the microphone. I'm just going to take it over here. Um, so what, what should we choose today? So there are, there's five different choices for the type of piano we could do. So there's piano, which sounds like this. There's bell, which sounds like this. Really reminds me of my grandparents' house for no reason. I really don't know why. There's meowing. You know, it's a cat piano. That one's a classic. That was the organ. And then here's the banjo. So, I actually don't know what we have previously picked before, but I'm feeling the organ vibe today. You know, very sinister, very menacing, like the COVID pandemic, you know. I actually do know how to make a note on a piano, though. So, that's one thing I got going for me. Um, do we want to beat today? I think we want to beat today. Yeah. Okay. So let's begin our outro, shall we? The COVID-19 pandemic has an effect on feminism. Some are good and some are bad. But the effects can be long-lasting. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry for that end note. <laughs> it was probably really loud and high pitched. But that is our outro for the day. Hey, look at they're improving. Woohoo! You're getting uh, more, more long and more entertaining and more consistent each time. So double thumbs up for that. Am I right? Woohoo! Anyways, this will take us to the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you had a good time listening. I had a good time recording. It'll be fun to go back and edit it because that's something I have to do. And yeah, I will see you next time if you decide to join me next time. And yeah, adios amigos.